In a world where everyone hates the new Halloween movie, two men stand alone, defending the only honor that the Halloween franchise has left. Matt Young and Eric Rossi are those two <laughs> men. And this is the Devil's Cut Podcast. Oh, and then the music goes here. <laughs> <laughs> Because, you know, uh, for the past two episodes, uh, I've been coming up with different versions of ladies and gentlemen, Mm -hmm. and I was trying to come up with a clever one for for this one. So uh, Eric actually spared the listeners a an honest attempt at me trying to call people shapes and shrodes. So you you can everybody can thank him for that one. So how you doing today? I'm good. I'm good. I'm You ready to put up a fight? I'm afraid. <laughs> no, I'm afraid. I'm afraid everyone's going to hate us and no one's going to love us. We're going to get bullied. I know the podcast might be DOA 3 episodes in. I'd like to apologize in advance for taking a contrarian stance and enjoying this movie. Hey, to to quote a, a medium famous podcast, it's okay to like a movie. <laughs> so today at the Devil's Cut, we are talking about the David Gordon Green Halloween trilogy, specifically the new release, Halloween Ends. The last one. Uh, and uh, from our <laughs> the last one. Well, uh, maybe not. Who knows? It could we we Hopefully. could go we could go some places <laughs> still. But uh, no, as you as you can already tell, me and Eric like this movie. But uh, before we get into that, uh, I guess we should just talk about the this trilogy as a whole or in general. The, this new. Halloween set from yeah. David Gordon Green. And what is this, a Blumhouse movie? Yes, Blumhouse. Yep. Another Blum. Another Blum. <laughs> In general, how do you feel about this trilogy? You know, trilogy consisting of Halloween 2018, mm-hmm. Halloween Kills, and now Halloween Ends. Uh, I, I When I first saw uh, 2018, I was like, wow, this is the perfect Halloween sequel. Like, thank God, finally. Um. I personally am not a huge fan of the Rob Zombie ones. Uh, that's another thing that people are gonna disagree with. <laughs> I think there's, I think there's, there's people on both sides of the Rob Zombie camp. Also, I don't think you're gonna get in too much trouble for that. Well, good. Although, with the release of the, it's kind of like the Star Wars movies. You know, each time a new trilogy comes out, the people who hated the the pet the previous trilogy start to like that one because they hate the new one, you know? Yeah. So people did hate the Rob Zombie one, but now that people are able to hate this trilogy, they kind of, now all of a sudden there's all these apologists for the Rob Zombie one. I really liked 2018. I thought it was like a near-perfect movie. Uh, I thought it did some really interesting things with like moving the timeline farther along. Uh, I thought Halloween Kills was a lot of fun. Uh, I thought it tried to pose a lot of like interesting questions about the dynamic of uh, Laurie and Michael 
and just Michael, like, almost by himself. I was really expecting them to kind of, like, deliver on maybe answering some of those questions in this movie, and I don't know why I did. I don't know what part of me was like, yeah, this is the one where they're going to really tie it up and put a bow on it. I I think it's Um, a fair thing to expect, and I think a lot of people... We're also expecting that. So, I, again, I don't think you're alone. I, I agree with you for the most part. I Halloween 2018, near, near perfect horror movie. It's, yeah. it's like a great, what, a, a requel, uh, like the perfect perfect version of that type of movie, just taking making a sequel slash reboot of an old franchise that's, it's, you know, all the rage these days. But 2018 is, is like a perfect version of that. Super fun, super tight, just tight script, solid, it, it, scary. Uh, Michael Myers is terrifying in, in this whole trilogy, but in that first one, really scary. Love the old shut-in doomsday prepper version of Laurie. I thought it was like a fantastic take on it. It was so much fun. Uh, the addition of her new of her family members, all the new characters are really cool. I really liked 2018. I, you can't really beat it. But I, I also I actually really liked Halloween Kills. I think that one might might be my favorite. Ooh. I, not because I think it's the stronger movie. I just had more fun in Halloween Kills. There's just more kills in it. Uh, they get a, a lot more creative, and I just like I could I could watch that one pretty much anytime. I could just pop it on, have a good time. You know, 2018 is more of like a, like, let's sit down and watch this movie kind of experience, but you can put kills on in the background, just pop in for the good parts, you know? Mm, run away when yeah. you get to the hospital. <laughs> yeah, that, you can you can pretty much skip half the, the whole middle chunk of the movie, but, you know, some sometimes that's the kind of movie you, you're in the mood for. It's, uh, it's a good hangover movie. Obviously, I was expecting some some answers like you were. I kind of was under the impression that we would, because Halloween Kills takes place, it picks up right where the first movie leaves off, like literally like 10 minutes late. I kind of assumed that's what we were going to do here. Oh, see, I, I I had prior knowledge. I knew that they were going to do a time skip. Uh, I knew we were jumping ahead to current times. Yeah, I tried to keep myself as uninformed about it as possible, just to go in blind. I, I just assumed, yeah, I assumed we were going to go pick up like same night again and and just keep keep going it from continuing that story you know the fact that we've like this movie jumped so far ahead once that once that happened once i saw that time skip i was like oh this is not going to be anything like what i thought this movie was going to be about so right right away i was like okay anything could happen here yeah i think it was a really interesting move jumping it ahead to current times uh i don't know if they necessarily needed to i feel like they could have told the same story within like a year's fast forward instead of like four but it does do a good job of like yada yada yadding away like the pandemic (laughs) (laughs) yeah it really did right they they were like let's i didn't even think about that till now (laughs) (laughs) yeah they were they they really do just skip over they're like yeah we don't want to we don't want to tell a pandemic horror movie just skip it 2022 everyone's over it we're in uh, where is Haddonfield Illinois we're in Illinois no one cares about yeah. that shit anymore so forget it <laughs> that's so funny I also did not think about that until you just said it <laughs> but yeah all right so we both we both agree the uh, at least the first two great Halloween great Halloween movies really fun good very good totally worth a watch so if you're any, if anybody's listening you haven't seen this trilogy yet where have you been yeah go watch 2018 Halloween 2018 it's a solid horror movie 
you're gonna like it uh halloween kills i think it's just as enjoyable if not more i think it's 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 way more fun again that doesn't mean it's a better movie it's just more fun keep that in mind keep that grain of salt in your pocket yeah actually i before before we jump into the movie i'd like to address i think why people hate it so much Maybe, maybe not, maybe not the the cover all, but like at least one factor of it. Why do you think people people hate it? Because let me let me tell you, listeners, people on the whole really do not like it. At least you know in Twitter horror sphere, at least. <laughs> I mean, I haven't seen like literally anyone on YouTube, on Twitter, anything. Not a single person being like, "Yes, I did like this movie." And maybe, maybe my experience was, you know a little bit uh skewed by the big chunk of an edible i had but <laughs> i think i've you know i've seen it a few times since on uh what is it streaming on peacock? it is streaming on peacock right now everyone go get a peacock subscription i've i have watched it a few times afterward and it was still as enjoyable but i i feel like people went into this with such concrete expectations on what this movie was going to deliver and what this movie was going to be about that like as soon as they got a different product it was like immediately like no i don't like it yeah i i definitely agree with you especially at this point if you're going to see a reboot a trilogy a reboot of an existing property or anything else to me I feel like it's like getting on a roller coaster at like that movie's theme park. It's like, okay, regardless of what I'm about to experience, I want to have fun. So like to me, I sit down and I'm like, yeah, like let's have a good time. Whatever they're going <laughs> to give us, let's have a good time with it. Instead of yeah. like, let me be super critical about this movie right out the gate because it didn't meet my expectations of what it needs to be. Preach it, Eric, preach it. But no, yeah, go in with the, like, the go in with the just take enjoy what you get. Find the the good in what is presented to you. Don't just be mad because you didn't get what you were expecting. I I definitely agree with you there. Um, and also people should have had broader expectations given the legacy of the Halloween movies. And I mean, David Gordon Green and the 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 rest of the writing team have been doing a very good job of like paying tribute to the roots of the Halloween franchise. And anybody who, like, has seen the Halloween movies, the third Halloween movie is pretty wacky. Also doesn't have Michael Myers in it. Yeah. This movie barely has Michael Myers in it. Now, granted, this movie doesn't get Silver Shamrock wacky, but I think it's fair to have expected it to go in a different direction, you know, than the, the two that came before it. Yeah, like they gave us two really great Michael Halloween movies. Like this is still a Halloween movie that's not necessarily entirely focused on Michael, but like he's in the movie. He's kind of a big plot point of the movie. He's kind of a big character in the movie. He kills people in the movie. What the fuck else did you want? Hot take. I actually could have done with less Michael Myers in this movie. I'm not going to get on that boat with you, but... (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know... to touch back on the, you know, get on the, enjoy the ride that they, they give you, you know, I, I, for my money, if they were trying to, they're trying to sell me th- this plot with these characters, I think less Michael actually might've done the story a little bit better. And we'll get to that later, but I'm just saying, you know, I think, yeah. I think he, I think he actually got in the way a little bit of the plot they were trying to sell me on. What can we say? We both like the movie. I think it's really good. It's just very different. So if you're going to watch it, we're about to get into spoiler territory. So if you haven't seen it or the rest of the movies, I recommend stopping and 
finishing this podcast later after you've watched the trilogy. I think now is the time to get all spoilery, so... Yeah, and if you're like, oh my god, I super don't want to listen to this episode because I hated Halloween (laughs) and it's terrible. Look, I get it, but at the same time, this episode is for you. We're trying to convince you that not necessarily the best movie, but it was a fun movie that's worth taking a second look at and maybe not going in with such a judgmental edge. Or a first look. Or yeah, or first look. And also, if you really hate it, I mean, we're still gonna we're still gonna poke some fun at it. It's this movie's not perfect. It's got some oh, holes. No. It's got some problems. Uh, we just like it, <laughs> but we're we're certainly not gonna dance around the issues. This movie, we're gonna we're gonna give it its its fair shake. You know, let's just go right into it. Now's your time to stop. This is the point of no return. Eric, how? Let Let me just start with this. How do you feel about the this cold open? Would this, I... Would you count this as a cold open? It's a cold open, right? Uh, yeah, it's 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 kind of, it's cold open. I don't think it's a, was, a lukewarm yeah, open. because the title the title pumpkins come in after this, so yeah, I'd say cold open. I thought it was pretty interesting. I thought it was good. I think giving us this new character, uh, Corey, is definitely a bold move on their part. Um, but I think it's a good way to kind of like bring you back into the world without immediately being like, here's a time skip. Like it kind of puts you in the mood. It kind of bloodies the movie a little bit right off the bat. You get a sense of like, okay, he's not like a terrible little weirdo. He's like a relatively normal guy. Like, <laughs> no, you know, who the terrible little weirdo is, is this kid who dies. Fuck this kid. The worst. <laughs> I was just watching it again today, and I was like, you know what? I hated this kid when I first saw this movie, and I thought for a second. I was like, maybe he's not as bad as I remember. Maybe the edible hit me weird, too. But no. By the time this kid, you know, starts to take his swan dive off his balcony, I was like, nah, he's fine to go. I don't need him in this movie any longer. Yeah, there's a new new character is introduced who, who I would argue is the main character of the movie. I don't think anyone would disagree. I think Laurie, Laurie Strode and uh, Allison Strode are are secondary to, but I think Corey really is the main character. So starts with him, and it actually the movie starts in 2019, so actually a year after the events of the original two movies. And yeah, we follow Corey. He's like uh, on a he's he's here to babysit. Everyone's like nervous. The kid is having nightmares ever since a year ago when Michael Myers like killed half the town and then just disappeared in a street fight at the end of Halloween <laughs> Kills. Yeah, we find out that he was never apprehended <laughs> after that night and that he's just been because there's nobody just left. Been disappeared. Yeah, he's coming over to babysit for this. I have to assume rich family because this fucking house is enormous. Yeah, what do you think the housing market is like after that, after 2018 Halloween? Oh, it's got to be bad. Half the town's houses are empty, but, like, who wants to live there? So you got to be ripe for the plug-in, you know? Yeah, I feel like uh, Haddonfield's, like, totally ready to get gentrified. Oh, yeah. It's it's begging for it. I want Laurie Strode's uh, trap house. It burned to the ground. You're donezo. You can't. (laughs) Oh, yeah, I got the fireman who showed up all got killed by Michael Myers, so no one put out the fire. So it's really just a hole in the ground now. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, the at least the property's nice. Fair, fair. Got some acreage. Corey shows up. He's babysitting. Uh, they they made a really good choice to make Corey sympathetic. He's got a thing for chocolate milk, and it really every time he drinks it in this movie, which is a couple of times, makes me just go, oh, he's a nice." I'm boy. so glad you brought that up because they really did hound <laughs> in on like the hey, he's into his chalky milk real big time. 
it, it was such a weird but endearing character like choice that, that made me like it, I didn't have to hear him say a single word. I was like, oh, he's nice. He likes. Well, that's how you know he's gonna grow up to be big and strong because he's just yeah, right. Literally made out of chocolate milk. <laughs> he's already a bit a fully grown adult. So he's babysitting this like piece of shit little kid. <laughs> the kid like decided to play some pranks on him and he's just trying to get chocolate milk and have some zucchini bread or pumpkin bread or whatever but the kid like starts hiding playing pranks on him eventually the kid uh, and they're in a like eric said a, a huge house like three stories so he goes all the way up to the top he thinks the kid's in this attic he goes in the kid locks him in and then like <laughs> as like Corey is like kicking down the door he's having like a panic attack because he's like i, I don't know i guess terrified addicts as he's kicking down the door, the kid is standing right in front of the door, and the kid's parents are coming home. And as the parents come into the door, they hear all the commotion going on. Corey kicks the door open. The door flies open, smacks the kid in the face like a Three Stooges cartoon. And then you get such a good shot of just, like, the parents going, huh? And then just, foomph, <laughs> as you just see this kid just land, smash on the ground. Like, blood goes everywhere. He does <laughs> Dude. I- this kid hits the ground like a water balloon. He does. I paused it on like the dummy, like that that pops up into the screen for a second. <laughs> Looks wild, but this kid is flopping. But man, it's so brutal. It's such like a brutal way to open the movie without any Michael Myers shenanigans. Just like crazy, just a crazy death. Not Corey's fault. That little kid deserved it. It's nothing, you know. It wasn't Corey's fault. And we find out the courts, I guess, agreed that it really wasn't his fault. Yeah, I look. Look, this torturous little piece of shit kid locks him in the (laughs) attic after totally convincing him that, like, Michael Myers is, like, in the house ready to kill both of them. Like, he just puts himself in a bad spot and fucks around and finds out, really. Exactly, yeah. Pretty much the definition of – he's the perfect example of that. But he leaves leaves poor Corey in, like, the worst-looking spot. He looks like he did terrible shit to this kid. He's got a knife in his hand, too. Like, it's just like, you couldn't look any more guilty, bro. It gives you a good sense of, like, kind of the the mentality of the town. Like, he himself is made totally paranoid by just, like, the simple little prank that this kid's pulling on him. Because in their world, there is a literal monster fucking roaming around for all they know. Like... They don't know that Michael's not going to come back and just come in and fucking kill him. Yeah, like, there, there's an actual boogeyman. This town is haunted by this specter that just sh- keeps showing up and killing everybody. So, yeah, this kid takes a swan dive over the railing, and then it kind of, like, we we get the, the mom reacting. She's screaming. And then the... The cops come and kind of like take him away. And um, before before we move too far past mm-hmm. this, I have to say, for this palatial estate to have this <laughs> tiny little fucking like kitchen, I was losing my mind. Small, small kitchen. But but you know what? I I actually lived for a little bit in a three story house, and you know. They're tall, but they're like squat, you know. So the kitchen there was also pretty small. So I, I've seen it. Now we skip forward. We get a lot of cool shots of the town, Haddonfield. And really, that's like, aside from Corey, the main character of the movie is is the town. And that's really been kind of the, the secret focus of this, this trilogy all along. 
it was more about Haddonfield and what Michael Myers has done to it, less so than Michael Myers himself or even Laurie. I mean, in the first movie, it's mostly about Laurie and her creepy trap house. Halloween Kills really blew the the scope of the movie wide open. We saw, yeah, you know, people who were kids in the original Halloween movie uh, as fully grown adults and what the trauma of living in Haddonfield has done to them. And, to, and this movie goes even farther to explore how, how this town has been affected by the, the boogeyman's presence the whole time to the point where I it gets almost a little cartoony like everybody in this town in this movie sucks like everybody everybody is like cartoonish oh yeah like, everybody's real mad to Corey and to Lori and to and less so but also to Allison like they're so they're so mean and I got to a point where I was like I don't know if everybody that we interact with would be this way but it's to demonstrate a point. Well, I mean, you have to think about, yeah, it's not just the stuff that happened with Lori and Michael. It's not just the ha- stuff that happened with Corey, yep. which I'm just realizing now that Corey and Lori rhyme. They go through this little montage narrated by Lori after Corey gets arrested of, like, you know, the years that come along after 2018 It's just, like, tragedy after tragedy of, like... Murders, suicides. Completely disconnected from Michael's activities or Lori's involvement in the town. Or, like, to the point where this whole community is completely, like, terrorized. Corey's mom says it later in the movie that, you know, uh, when she's talking to Lori, that, you know, once... Once Michael disappeared, the town needed something new to, like, blame all its problems on. So they, you know, started to, to focus on Corey. And I'm sure that's, you know, the, the tra- all the other tragedies leading up to, like, Corey's thing and after have all had the same kind of issue. Th- this town is, like, infected by this evil. Not that everybody in the town is evil, but everyone's just mean and jaded and angry and scared all the time. I think part of it is that, like, There's this weird thing that happens in the first movie where they insist that evil is, like, some sort of embodied thing that lives inside of uh, Michael. And, like, Michael is the embodiment of evil. But they also spend a lot of time in that movie insisting that he's just a dude. He's just a super evil dude. Nothing supernatural, just super evil. And then the next one, it's kind of like... One super evil dude fucked up this whole town, and because of how evil he was, they did an evil thing too. And then in the third movie, it's kind of like, evil is a viral disease that anyone can get, and just <laughs> evil yeah, is Yeah, that's uh, one of my problems with this trilogy and this movie, is that I they can't really just commit one way or the other to is is this a supernatural thing not supernatural per se but like you know what are we for is michael myers just a man or is evil this actual thing that's permeating him and the town because it can't just be he's a normal guy and like it can't be he's just a normal guy but also evil's a real thing that's infecting like you know it's it's like this movie kind of has its like feet on both like in both puddles and it's like you have to pick one so i can definitely understand people not maybe feeling confused and not really feeling very fulfilled because this movie doesn't really in the series has just never really picks Mm -hmm. a side uh and I, i guess like you know it's cool when movies like are ambiguous sometimes but i don't think it serves this movie as well as others where ambiguity is like part of the scary thing. I would have rather they just told me. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I, I feel like you got you can be wishy washy yeah. in the first one. You can be wishy washy in the second one. I feel like you really gotta pick a team in the last hurrah here. The plot of this movie fo- follows Corey. He's just this poor kid who had a horrible thing happen, and the town hates him now. Uh, oh, that's the that's what I wanted to go back to was everybody in this town is like cartoonishly mean to everybody, which is understandable, and I get the point that it's trying to make. But one thing that just the whole movie it kept trying to get me to buy that i just was would never buy is like these rude band geeks oh that like so Corey has these like bullies throughout the entire movie who are Corey's an adult like what is he like 25 like 22 he's he's 22 he's 21 when the kid dies in 2019 he mentions to the kid that yeah i'm 21 i don't get scared so he's 23 then so 23 year old adult Corey, this whole movie is getting bullied by like 16 year old marching band jocks because they have the mentality of like like (laughs) what you would imagine like in any other movie would be just these big burly brawny jock guys you know with like buzz cuts and like they're ready to go to the marines and they graduate but instead the, the the characters that we do get who have that mentality are like Four little scrawny, two girls, two guys, just these little marching, specifically marching band nerds who have like so much unearned confidence. I don't know why I was, I was not buying Unearned confidence is perfect, is the perfect way to describe. This kid acts and looks (laughs) like a four foot three version of Christopher from The Sopranos. I'm like, where did they get this kid? Did he transfer in from like the East Coast? Like why is this kid so supremely like newer yeah it's it's so weird it's such a such a weird set of characters that are they're fun i just like i couldn't be convinced that like these four were gonna be this like ever-present bullying force in Corey's life (laughs) like there's this one travis looking (laughs) motherfucker in that group who has the most illegal mullet combination i've ever seen in my life oh yeah oh my god he's constantly spinning his drumsticks it's it's so crazy so weird so weird but yeah that was the one every every other mean character i bought but i was like these four and they keep showing up the whole movie they're mean to Lori. i'm like what are you guys doing insane like it, look, if you're going to bully this kid, it's like, okay, I kind of get it. He's kind of got, like, a bad rep. He had a bad thing happen to him. He's I, – I still don't understand wh- why, as a, a high school senior, you're like, yeah, I'm just going to pick on this, like, full-grown-ass adult who's, like, way taller and bigger than me. Like, what? Right, what? in 2022? But the idea that any of these people would be outwardly aggressive and shitty to Laurie Strode? <laughs> You have, like, the Terminator, like, just lives in your fucking town, and you're going to be shitty yeah, to her? It's 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 so so weird. But we'll get back to those kids, you know. We'll hit them up again towards, you know, a little later in the movie. Um, Corey, but yeah, Corey has so, a run-in with these kids. So, they bully him. Again, he's buying some chalky milk from the, the 7-Eleven or whatever. They try to get him to, like, buy beer for him, end up shoving him. He, like, breaks the glass chocolate milk container and, like, cuts himself. And Laurie shows up and saves the day. They pop the kid's tires, and he gets mad about that later. But Laurie brings Corey to the hospital where Allison, her granddaughter from the other two movies, uh, it now works as a nurse, patches him back up. They have a little uh, meet awkward. It's not really a meet cute. Oh, it's like, my love has come along. Like, <laughs> 
and that's my that's my next point. And another reason why I think, you know, this movie doesn't work for some people. Corey and Allison have this like star crossed romance where they're just two fucked up kids who had shitty things happen to them. Allison's whole family was annihilated by Michael Myers in one night. Uh, and uh, Corey, you know, killed a kid accidentally. They go from like zero to 2000 instantly. Oh, yeah. Like they're the, they have one scene together and then the next scene it's there it, the writing like seems to suggest they've known each other for so long but as far as we know they've only just met in this movie I, I think in order for this romance to be the success that they want it to be there's really no room in the other movies but i feel like cory needed to be introduced like earlier in the series oh i would have loved to have seen cory get introduced in two that would have been great like not even like a big part maybe just like kind of like a friend that like is comforting her like considering her actual like boyfriend at the time got like brutally slaughtered uh but yeah that's even that is at the end like where would he fit yeah in? i was thinking i was thinking earlier about it you know if i you know i'm i'm no writer you know i was thinking maybe it would have worked if we like cut down some of the time in halloween kills at the hospital which nobody wants anyway in that movie. Yeah, throw it if, out. Yeah, we had established they, that they know each other somehow in Halloween Kills, and then maybe just take the opening of this movie and tack it on to the end of Kills somehow. That way we know something horrible happened and then cut, you know, just, I don't know. I, it's it's hard, it's hard, but like I just feel like Corey needed to be established earlier in order for me to buy why they are like so instantly smitten. And it only happens because there's only so much time in this movie, and they're like, "Fuck it, we got to get to Michael Myers," you know? It's like this Bella like a, and Edward. Edward. It's yeah. like it's so instant. right, like right at first sight, they're like, "Whoa!" <laughs> yeah, Corey, Corey goes to the hospital and imprints on Allison. <laughs> <laughs> It's just it, it's just a little rushed, but you know because the first chunk of this movie is basically a rom com. It's pretty, it's sweet. It's not quite, uh, you know, I'm not quite as able to buy the romance that it happens so deeply, you know, that instantly. Later in the movie, when Corey has his dark turn, it's less impactful because I'm like, yeah, well, they've only known each other like a week, you know. They get into a separate room where she's like helping stitch up his hand. And we're introduced to this character who's like her boss some doctor oh, the rude he's doctor kind of a piece of shit <laughs> yeah he uh he like kind of makes a joke about like the two of them flirting and it causes Corey to knock something over and then the doctor blames it like entirely on allison and like storms out of the room and i'm like she didn't even make contact with this object that fell over it like, was so funny because again it was another example of just being like people being mean in this town like the doctor was like all right Corey, this is gonna hurt and then he does the thing that hurts him and Corey knocks the thing over and he's like damn it allison <laughs> It's like, what? Well, she didn't even do anything. So the next thing, they go to like, they go to a Halloween party, right? I think she's like just kind of sending him off from the hospital. She like walks him out and uh, he's got his bike. And she makes like this kickstand joke that totally goes like so far over his head that's like makes me think this kid's never heard a joke in his life. Yeah, well, he certainly hasn't heard one in a couple of years. No one talks to him. Except his freako mom and his weird stepdad. <laughs> but this is where we find out he's like rain man for cars because she's like yeah my my car is making a weird noise and he's like oh i totally know what the problem is right off the bat without any like <laughs> no, don't need to look at the car don't need to know anything no physical examination he just goes oh that's just the uh that's just the muffler that's the muffler just gotta replace the clips i could tie it up you could bring it over to the junkyard he invites her over to the junkyard yeah where he works with his uh, sweet his sweet stepdad who's just this like roly-poly dude with a mustache he's like super mario he's really nice 
I love the stepdad. I love this guy. I love this character. He's fantastic. There's a scene. There's a scene in the in the movie later when like his mom's being really crazy and like Corey just looks back at the stepdad and he goes, "I hope you find love," and it's just <laughs> it's so funny. <laughs> oh my! I was fucking. Cr- I was. I wanted to piss my pants. I it's was just crying, yeah. It's like so Corey's stepdad's dude. just Super Mario. His mom's really weird. Let's get to Over it. Let's let's okay. let's save it. Let's get there. Let's get there. So. He does the kickstand joke, totally misses. Um, This is where we kind of cut back to Lori's house. So this is after her shift, and Allison's kind of hanging out. And for some reason, Kyle Richards' character is here doing tarot readings in the living room. She must have killed it in contract negotiations because all of a sudden, her character, big fucking deal. Big fucking deal in this movie. So, the very first Halloween, like, ever, she was one of the kids that Lori was babysitting. Oh, so this is another legacy character. Okay. And then, I don't think she appears at all in 2018. In Kills, she's one of the bar patrons. I thought all of them died. No, she's the only one that survives. Uh, there, she's with the party of people who go to the park. Oh, okay, then yeah, okay, yeah. And yeah. then she has to hide behind a tree. Oh yeah, I forgot she lived through that. Okay, yeah, now I remember who she is. You're right. And now in this movie, it's like she's a bartender and also she's an adult goth who does tarot card readings at the drop of a hat. Listen, you live in Haddonfield, you're gonna be in a weird shit, man. But so they're all hanging out at. Lori's house, Lori's new house. She bought herself a new home. She's like, I'm not going to be. <laughs> yeah, brand new one. I'm not going to no be traps. scary anymore. I'm going to live in a normal, totally <laughs> reasonable house. <laughs> no, no secret prison basement. Or maybe, who knows? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you never know. Um, oh, there's a scene earlier in the movie where, uh, just real quick, it made me laugh both times I've seen it, uh, where Lori, she's like writing her memoirs and then the smoke alarm goes off and she goes, ah, my fucking pie. just so funny she's because she's speaking all like delicately and eloquent as she's like reading her memoirs that she's writing and then oh my fucking pie oh just kills me i love i love jamie lee curtis she's fantastic um but yeah so we're back at Lori's house she gives a weird so like they're trying to like kind of talk about um cory a little bit and Allison's like, you brought him to me. Like, why did you do that? And she was like, I don't know. I thought it'd be, you know, kind of cool if you guys, you know. Yeah, Lori's trying to do a little. She's trying to play like grandma matchmaker. matchmaker. And then she gives this like weird, like inspired speech about like grabbing life by the tits. (laughs) And like she throws like a big slop of pumpkin on the floor. And I was like, who wrote this speech? It feels like so divorced from who she is as a person. It's so bizarre. I think the movie's really trying to sell you on how like moved on from everything Lori is. She's like a brand new person. And then it pulls her back. Just when she thought she was out, they pulled her back in. Corey and Allison, they they meet up at the junkyard. They have a cute little thing. Corey sees uh, at that, like conveniently at the same time, the Sopranos marching band geek shows up with his dad to, who, to the junkyard because the tires are flat. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, it's it, it kind of makes sense. It's like your local so. auto junkyard. So, like, I'm sure there's other tires sure. that he could swap out there. But so he's invited Allison to come down to the junkyard to ride his brand new fucking motorcycle because he is stoked on this. Yeah, because he's riding a bicycle like Paperboy the whole first chunk of the movie. And he looks so <laughs> sad. 
and they get they kind of have like another little romantic it's scene cute. where like she's like on the bike and he's trying to teach her how to ride the bike but he's like explaining how the bike works as if he's explaining a modern like party card game <laughs> he's like yeah so your brakes over here and your clutch is over here and then this does this and that does that and then you you, you want to kick to start down here and then your kick stands over there and then over here you have your horn it's like <laughs> Bro, it's not that complicated. Oh my god. We have Lori at the grocery store. She meets up with the uh with Frank, the police officer from the other two movies, who well, it was also from 2018. He was one of like the first responding officers to the whole night's events. She's, you know, got a little romance thing going with him in uh Halloween Kills. Uh and it's now that they're now that Michael Myers is, you know, quote, gone and they've all moved on, they like have a little little cute flirt session in the grocery store. He speaks some Japanese to her and he's thinking like, Oh, I'm going to, I think I'm going to go see the uh, cherry blossoms. The way that they were flirting in the other movies, like the idea that they don't already live together is insane. So <laughs> right, the like idea that years like they've gone by and they're, yeah. only, they're like, just kind of like flirt in passing friends. They were like, I fucking each other in the hospital beds next to each other. Like all movie long in Halloween kills. Are you kidding me? Lori <laughs> is hot to trot on this dude. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. Uh, and then, like, you know, they have their cute little flirt sesh in the grocery store. She goes out to the parking lot. She gets accosted by the sister of one of the victims of Michael from Halloween Kills, the woman who got, like, stabbed in the neck with the uh, with the fluorescent light tube. Uh, it turns out that woman didn't die. She survived, but she can't speak anymore because her voice box was, you know, slid out the bottom end of the uh, light bulb and she's like look what look what he did to my sisters and this is another thing that keeps coming up in this movie people keep claiming that Lori like taunted michael myers that she like taunted this mentally ill guy and it's her fault that 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 michael myers just killed everybody in the town when one movie ago the whole town was ready to go to war for Lori. <laughs> when i first watched it I, in the theaters i was like this lady's insane if I was her, I would never have the fucking balls to be like, Lori, this is all your fault. Also, we're in public in broad daylight and there's no one else around and I'm going to yell at you. I would be so afraid that Lori Strode would punch me in the fucking face. There's no yeah, way. Right? But also, after rewatching it, I kind of do understand where this lady is coming from because it's not like Lori was just like living in a normal house and just like trying to get on with her life. She was, like, actively setting a house-sized bear trap for Michael. So, like, I kind of get what she's saying. Like, yeah, like, you should have just moved away. In the event that he came back, you know. But, like, if she, I mean, think about how worse off everybody would be if if she moved away and didn't have that house. Like, he he was already at a disadvantage in those movies because he was missing 90% of his fingers from her fight, his fight with her in the first movie like with all of his fingers think about how much more damage he would have done <laughs> he was burnt burnt half alive like he would have he wouldn't have even gotten nearly as beat up as bad at the end of kills as he did like so like i'd say she did them a favor but no i i also understand like you know he's gone like they haven't seen him in years they're just looking for more people to blame so obviously they're gonna blame Lori. they're just mad everyone's mad and scared and i, I get it you know, it, it, it makes sense. Yeah, they're traumatized. It makes sense. It's just funny that, like, people are like, Laurie Strode, it's all your fault. And I'm like, well, can we leave her alone? She's trying to move on too, man. Then I think the next big scene is we get the, the Halloween party. 
Uh, Allison's looking good in her little cat suit, little cat costume she's got. She's got a little cat mask. Corey is wearing this like really fun scarecrow mask that looks like he got it from like a spirit Halloween in 1960. It's like the oldest looking mask. I mean, even her cat mask is kind of like that retro like Halloween decoration vibe. Yeah, there's only like retro Halloween costumes in the scene or just poor, poorly made ones. There's no nothing modern here in in Haddonfield in 2022. I mean, imagine all the licensing oh, like you have yeah. to get for like people doing character costumes in the background of your Halloween movie. True. Like holy shit. It's just unrealistic. I didn't see a single Harley Quinn in this bar. Doesn't make any <laughs> sense. <laughs> and not a sing, not a single Eddie Munson to be seen. But yeah, so we have a fun little <laughs> we have a fun little da- oh dance God. scene with Corey. Uh he like <laughs> The two of them have some wild interpretations on what dancing is supposed to look like. Uh, Corey does his weird, like, floor seizure move that I've never Oof. seen before. And also, this is a crowded dive bar. Don't put any part of your body but the soles of your shoes on the ground here. I've never seen a person lay with their hips, shoulders, <laughs> and spine on the floor of a bar and not immediately been thrown out of the bar. <laughs> right? Well, I mean, this party's pretty wild at this bar, I do have to say. But yeah, he's partying, he's jiving, he's having a good time. He's feeling a little parched. He takes off his mask. Yeah, he goes to the bar, and who's at the bar? The woman whose son he accidentally killed, and she's looking rough. This was like a wealthy, well-to-do woman at the beginning of this movie, and now it looks like she has, she went straight from the cold open to this bar and has not left in three years. Yeah, oh man. Also, crazy, crazy to me that this lady is like, it's Halloween. I guess I'll still go out to the same bar where I drink every day and continue drinking, even though I know I'm going to be surrounded by people in Halloween costumes. Right? Like, it's like, I, maybe that's the night you stay yeah. home. Maybe that's the night you, like, go visit your son's grave. Like, I don't, I just feel like it's the wrong environment for her. So she has words for Corey. She's really nasty to him, you know, but. What's she going to do? She's a grieving mother. You know, I can't really blame her too much. But Corey has like a panic attack and sprints out. He has this confrontation. Allison chases him out. They have this fight where he's like, you can't fix me. I'm not your project, Allison. And this is the kind of fight that like characters are supposed to have towards the climax of a romantic movie. But it's happening within like 10 minutes of them meeting. So I'm like, I don't, the scene like is not doing it as well as you think it is because we don't. Like they barely know each other, of course. Like they, like they, they don't. That doesn't feel like they know each other's issues well enough to be having this fight. But he almost gets hit by like the fourth car. All through he, the yeah, beginning this of this kid movie, is like a car magnet. He is like completely unaware of the idea <laughs> and concept of traffic. And I don't know if it's because like the town hates him and they also like don't give a fuck about <laughs> they him. They don't slow down. They don't for slow him. down for this kid at all. He's like everywhere on his bike. There are cars left and right. Like no awareness of no, cars. None at all. It's it's wild. Um. So yeah, him and Allison have this little fight. She's trying to get him to like open up to her and like connect. And he he's just having too much of a panic attack, so he leaves. This is the turning point in the movie. Up until now, it's basically just been like a, a like a rom com, not even a com, just a rom. What do they call it? What's like? It's just a, just rom. a rom. It's like you know, it's got kind of the like um, Adventureland Nick and Nora's vibe, where like those movies aren't really funny. They're dramedy. Just, yeah, dra- dr- is dramedy. They're just romantic dramas, I guess, with some humor in them. It's like it feels like one of those. But then, as Corey's walking home, who does he run into? The roaming 
the the roaming bullies from marching band show up. One of them also is this like girl named Margot who's like in rainbow sweaters and overalls the whole movie. And I'm like, these are your bullies, Corey? He's getting beat up by Rainbow Bright. Yeah, but like he's a he's like an adult. Like, what is he gonna swing on these high schoolers? And then the whole town is gonna be like, "Oh, you beat up kids again? You're beating up kids again?" Like, there's kind of. I like, guess you're right. He really can't touch him, otherwise, it really makes him look bad. Yeah, they're they're kind of invulnerable to him. Like, he can't fuck up at all because the entire town is already convinced he's a fucking kid killer. So he has a confrontation with them. He's on like a an overpass. I don't know if you noticed this. The sign in the background of the overpass is a missing persons poster for a woman that disappeared in October in the years preceding oh, yeah. this movie. So there are other missing peoples who haven't been right. discovered. And that's not the only one. I feel like there's another sign somewhere of like a missing person. And I'm like, oh, there's a So lot. Corey gets in a you know confrontation with these bullies. You, you know, he noticed like the kid, the one kid with the car his dad was like being a dick to him at the junkyard and he's like your dad fucking hates you and then he's like my dad hates me and then like they, they get into a scuffle and these kids just toss Corey right off the edge of the bridge Corey <laughs> pulls out a pocket knife that he got from, from Lori yeah, from Lori earlier in the movie <laughs> And he turns around and points it at the kid with the mullet, and the kid with the mullet disarms him with a drumstick. <laughs> he hits him with his drumstick. With, with like, the like most gentle tap of a drumstick on this kid's Poor hand form, I've Corey. ever seen. It's just like, Bad grip. Boop, Bad and grip. then the fucking knife goes flying. You gotta hold on. If you're gonna stab somebody, you gotta hold on. He, again, you're, you're right, though. He didn't want to stab him. He can't stab these kids. So the kids leave Corey for dead. They, like, are convinced they've killed him. You know, they, they drive off. I think, I think the mullet kids, oh, he says, oh, Lil Dick beefed, beefed it. Beefed it, oh my god. Yo, <laughs> the, the drumstick mullet kid, man, what a character. Yeah, it's so funny. And, 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 uh, Terry is the name of the, the, the main bully. He, he, the, the girl, Margot, who looks like Rainbow Bright, she's like, oh man, what did you do? You killed him. And then Terry just goes, he fell, you all saw it. And it's like. You judo threw him off of the... <laughs> That's my story. I'm sticking you, you, to you, it. You taekwondoed him right off the bridge. Corey lands at the bottom of the overpass. And there we see, like, this homeless guy. We've seen a couple times this movie, just in passing. Like, the camera will just kind of, like, go... Oh, his name's Red Herring, around. by the way. I don't know if you noticed. Red, Red Herring? No, it's not really. But the entire time, the movie wants you to, like, assume that maybe this guy... Maybe like this is Michael Myers. Well, he says he's Michael Myers later in the movie but it's like we already know he's not but like so yeah yeah but that's later we get we we the camera pans down to Corey. he's in the grass and then he gets like dragged off screen but you don't see by what you just see him like kind of get pulled off screen and you get this creepy shot of Corey's legs slowly getting pulled into this like storm drain like tube like into this sewer and this is where i started to go where is this movie going because i was for a little bit thinking we were gonna get like really weird and supernatural with this movie and i was like oh is like is michael myers just gonna be like a creature now you know or something like that because they didn't they go out of their way to not show michael until 43 minutes into this movie i think we go back to laurie and allison like again but it's not really an important scene she just looks at like a like one of those dumb photo booth like montage things that they took but then we cut back to Corey. he's been dragged into this underground sewer it's full of rats and like garbage Corey wakes up surprisingly not injured at all even though falling like 
40 feet off a bridge. Definitely scrambled his brain. This kid's got brain trauma. I'm saying it right off the bat. So Corey wakes up. He like starts wandering through the sewer. And then we finally, we finally get the payoff of seeing Michael Myers. And he's like tucked into this little, little Michael hole. <laughs> like he's, like he's, you're, he's already in a sewer. But then, but then he's in a, in a little hole inside the sewer. Like it's like a crack in the wall where he's just kind of been like hiding. I guess hoping that Corey will wake up and then wander past this one crack in the wall. It's so weird, so funny and so weird. I love it. Like the hand just comes out and grabs him. So like, I think he drags him in there because he needs, he, you know, he wants to kill somebody obviously. And he, I think he drags him in there to stage that scenario just because that's like that's what he does as a like he's if you think about it if you he really can't break just him kill down, him he's, he can't, yeah he can't just yeah kill no him. he's a process killer yeah you're right so like he needs to set up that dynamic of like I got you you're scared you're terrified like I now I'm gonna kill you he can't just kill an unconscious guy he he's gotta like hide in the dark in a corner and sneak up but yeah you're right he, you're right he's a process killer he's got a ritual he's gotta abide by it Corey gets you know. <laughs> gets jump scared by michael you know grabs him by the throat but then we have the scene where Corey and michael myers is another oh, meet yeah. they lock they eyes. stare deep into deep, each other's eyes deep in, with longing yeah. yeah and so now this this is where the movie starts not being able to pick what kind of point of this all is because what i assumed was happening and, and what the it kind of the, the movie suggests is that Corey is now like infected with with evil like he, like locking eyes with Michael Myers, he gets like a montage reel of all the like scene where he killed the kid accidentally and implied that, oh, now something happened here. And then it's solidified because Corey gets away, sprints out and then meets the the, the homeless guy who's like, hey, why'd he let you leave? Go back in there. Get that mask for me. I don't know why this old guy wants his mask. That guy poses a really interesting question. You know, I've seen him drag all sorts yeah. of people in there. How come he let you leave? Like, you got to go back in there and yeah, get me that mask. I'm Michael, I'm Michael Myers. Myers. But the ah. question, why did he let you leave? Yeah. Is something that comes up later on when he's talking to Allison. And it made me think, like, really hard about Michael. Like, is Michael intentionally letting people go? Like... Obviously, he let Corey go because he's like, oh, this kid's going to fuck shit up. But, like, yeah. did he let Allison live? Like, did he let – has he intentionally let Lori, like, get the upper hand this whole time? Like – it was just an interesting question that I had never thought about. Yeah, before. and like maybe are there others running around that you know Michael saw something in? Well, yeah, because there's definitely you know I, I think Corey and Allison are interesting characters because they're kind of like two sides of the same coin in that they both have like the same kind of story. Like they both have this traumatic thing that happened to them. Like it's like two different life paths of like going. You know, Corey just like can't escape it, and yeah, it, like it just keeps following him, but it hasn't. You know, like Allison's been able to like move on because she's had like support, you know, but like Corey hasn't had support. His mom's freaking crazy. No, no, his mom's a you know, So nobody's really been there to like help him move past the event. Uh, and so he's just kind of like just sat in it and and it's just, you know, festered. Whereas Allison, you know, was able to grow and 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 heal from it. But yeah, so Corey leaves. Now that I think about it, yeah, it, it's it definitely could be that like Michael just sees like a kindred. I think it's a kindred spirit thing. 
like he sees that like potential for darkness um so he lets the kid leave and then as he's being accosted by the the homeless man he picks up the pot uh, the 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 knife that he got from Lori and, and kills the old guy so do you see it as he picks up the knife and stabs the old guy because to me i think the old guy has the knife and then Corey has to like kind of reposition the knife in the old guy's hand so that he stabs him and not get stabbed. Corey wasn't like trying to murder, you know, I think it was an accident, but it is more blood on his hands that I think puts him over the edge, you know? Yeah. It's not an easy scene to explain to other people. So this is the turning point. So now Corey, uh, as we'll hear multiple times in the movie, he's down a dark path. (laughs) They say (laughs) it's so everybody says, yeah, it's like Obi-Wan. I was expecting to show up. Oh, we get this great scene where Corey drives to Lori and Allison's house. Lori is like in her little office studio and she like looks out the window and Corey's standing like half behind a bush like Michael in the original movie. Just like looking up at the uh, at the window that she's in. And it's like, oh, so good. But again, a little confusing because is the movie telling us that he's possessed by Michael just by evil? Is there anything supernatural happening at all? I don't know. The movie's like kind of sending me mixed messages. Is it just an homage? To me, at this point... I think he is contemplating the question that the homeless guy asked him. I could be digging too far into this, but, like, I think that's something that sticks with him because he brings it up later on, too. So, like, he obviously knows, like, what happened to the Strode family, and he's aware of, like, the type of shit that went on. So I think he is genuinely attempting to observe, like, Lori or the, the house in general and just just trying to see like what like he let me go why are you guys still alive did you guys actually fend him off or like yeah he asks allison did you escape or did he let you go and yeah but he asked her that like way later like i think after his first like (laughs) yeah the, the, the buddy cop team up they have later but he's got like these cool like hand like finger bruises on his neck from where he got choked by Michael and I was like, damn, that's fucking intense. That hurts. Yeah. But Lori gets super freaked out by this whole scenario. But he shows up and he's like, Hey, like sorry I left the party. I got jumped by high schoolers and he This entire time Lori's standing kinda to the side like why is this what are these vibes? What is this what is the vibes I'm getting from this kid? Because they're super spooky. Corey asks to see Allison and like Lori makes eye contact with him and she she'll say it later that she sees the the same darkness that she saw in Michael's that very first time you know so she's like she knows something's up with Corey and she's immediate so from now she was she was on team Corey for the first chunk of the movie now she is instantly yeah off team Corey she's like nope he's fucked up like I gotta get her away get him away from my granddaughter so she spends the rest of the movie trying to unmatchmake them. So they go they go on a little walk, right? Like him, Corey and Allison, they they kind of take off and he's like, "Hey, like can we can we go talk?" Uh he's walking around with her and he confesses her. he's like, hey, "Oh, look, and then yeah. I killed someone." And then as an audience, you're like, "Holy the, shit, is he about to tell her about the fucking like Mike Myers run in and the old guy he just killed?" Yep. No, he brings him to the house where the kid died. And they go in. The house is, like, totally fenced yeah, off. Yeah, it's abandoned. And, like, old crime scene. It's abandoned. And The kid's the, blood stain is still on the floor. 
the most disgusting thing in this fucking movie, this blood stain on the floor. I do not understand this at all. They, <laughs> no one remediated this from the house. No one came in to clean this up off the floorboards. This is fucking <laughs> disgusting. There's just like this fucking puddle of like four-year-old Gross. blood Icky. just festering on the floor. And he takes her through the house and he's just like, yeah, so this is where it happened. It's, you know, it's, it's fucked up. It's not good. Bad time. No good, bad time. They're kind of like going over the house and she's like, it's so bizarre because t- the whole time she's just like totally falling for this like misunderstood bad boy act, which like no part of her character in the other movies makes me believe that she is like sold on this in this movie. Like uh, maybe, I, it you know, feels like two different characters. She's trying to go a different direction than her last boyfriend, you know. But yeah, all right. So yeah, they go to the house and then this is waiting to get the scene. They go to a diner. They're eating. They get into like he Corey's like about to like he's like spilling his heart out. They get interrupted by Allison's like shitty, like uh, way older ex-boyfriend, like cop ex-boyfriend. Who looks like he's like 40. This guy looks familiar. Why does he look this way? And I watched it. The, the original, and he looks exactly like the sheriff who's the dad of one of her friends that gets killed in the very first movie. And I was like, <laughs> weird throwback to make this new character look exactly yeah, really like weird. this old character. All of these cops look like they stepped out of a fucking time machine. They really do. Um, so, like, the, the cop ex-boyfriend interrupts them. Corey gets agitated. They, like, look like they're about to get into a fight, but then, like, you know, Corey like gives him the old stink eye, the the now uh, uh leveled up evil stink eye, and the cops like oh whatever backs off, and then after Corey drops Allison off, he starts to drive away on his Kawasaki, <laughs> and that's when you see the cop is like following him, and so he he knows it like it's you're kind of like led to believe that he knows the cops following him, leads him back to the uh, overpass. It's nighttime, the cop has his flashlight out. He he goes into Michael Hall. Well, he attacks him outside. He he like kind of wraps oh, yeah. his like jacket around his head or something and like wrestles him down and then he like skitters off yeah, he into does the do storm a skitter. drain hoping that the cop follows yeah. him. Which he does. Oh, he, he finds and he finds the home the cop finds the homeless guy's body. So, he already knows. So, he's got to pursue now. He's obligated yes. to solve the crime. Um, I don't know if that's how That's how it works. That's how being it works. a cop works, but Um, but so yeah, they go into the Michael Hall they kind of have a tag team match. So, like, he kind of, like, scuffles with Corey, and then Corey kind of, like, breaks away, and he, like, runs up these, like, weird stairs that are in there for some yeah, reason. Yeah, this, this set is really cool. I love this. I, the tunnel, like, underground hole yeah, thing mu- where he lives is fucking sick. They do a lot of really cool shots of, like, just this weird, like, circle opening from where the tunnel is. So, like, you're looking, like, yeah, them- into the opening of the tunnel. And you can see, like, inside, like, that shit's cool as fuck. It's good. good yeah, shots. the Myers Cave's really cool. So there's, like, a t- they start a tag team fight with this cop, Corey and Michael. Before they, like, really g- get the jump on him, they do, like, a, a slasher kind of hide-and-seek thing where, like, even Corey's, like, kind of, like, you can see he's, like, learning the moves, you know, where the cop's, like, whipping his flashlight oh, around yeah. and you'll see, like, Corey's, like, hiding behind him. And then, like, you'll get another shot where he whips away and Michael Myers is behind him now. Mm-hmm. You know, they and then eventually they jump out and they tag team. They have a little fight. Michael's, like, super, like, weak looking. He's, like, limping. And Corey's, like, teach me how to do it. And he, like, grabs the cop and Michael, like, lurches over. 
he puts the cop in this weird yeah, like, like, a, like a wrestling like a like tag team a, wrestling move yeah he's got like his arms out and the guy is laying mm-hmm. in his lap this is one of the few like maybe not a few this is one of the many scenes in this movie where i was like this movie is so insanely horny it is horny just like the, like the horniest yeah, so it could possibly be. Michael like slashes the cop's throat and then the dead weight like knocks Corey over. So now he's like in his lap. Michael like stabs him one more time in the chest and then does like this shudder. Just like this full body shudder. It's oh. like. <laughs> Michael has an earth shattering ejaculation <laughs> into his coveralls. I have never seen a more convincing pretend jizz in my entire life. His entire body shakes, <laughs> his shoulders rack up to his fucking ears, and then he, like, reinflates like a fucking waving, f- inflatable, wacky, wacky yeah. waving, inflatable arm filling tube, man. He just kind of, like, <laughs> like totally yeah. reinflates, like, you, you just poured a bunch of water on a dead plant. And again, another, another example of this movie like not being clear on what it could be read as is that the the act of murder of this evil act is almost healing michael like obviously it's not growing back his fingers and shit but like he's like decrepit and like slow and sad and he does this one murder and all of a sudden he's like ready to go out on the town again and it's like all right well so is he is this supernatural or is it not yeah, I think it just reinvigorates. I mean, maybe him. it really is a placebo effect, man. Maybe the murder really does just jazz him up that much that he just. I mean, if it's out. that, I mean, look, if it's as linked to his biology as that earth-shattering ejaculation <laughs> made it seem like it is, then yeah, I'm sure it was kind of like whoa. I'm sure it, like the fog cleared from his eyes, the post-nut clarity after stabbing this man He's ready to, to death. Go now. But the thing that's like bizarrely erotic is that like he. Corey has his dead cop in his lap, and then we get this profile shot of, like, them on the ground, and he's like, show me, show me how to do it, and Michael is stabbing this guy in the chest, and the way it's positioned is just, like, so goofy, because, like, it looks like Michael is jacking this guy off through this other guy. Oh, yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty horny. That, that's what we're meant to get from it. It's supposed to come across that way, at least in some part. But it is a real, but it is a cool scene. You know, any scene in the Michael hole is fun. The design across this trilogy for Michael, uh, just how big, the, like James Jude Courtney plays the shape for all three movies, and he's just so intimidating. Michael Myers is just scary to see in these movies. In a lot of the Halloween sequels, like he just looks so goofy, you know, and like the mask is like. Yeah, and, like, the mask is, like, gritty and dirty and grimy. And a lot of those sequels, it's, like, a pristine, brand-new, like, stark white mask that just looks dumb. Yeah, there's not there's not a lot of fumbling in this movie. As uh, other movies, there's some definite Michael fumbling. But in this, like, these movies, like, he just looks scary. Yeah. I, and it, I, I just love it. And so once we get him back in this movie, it's like, ah, we're home again. You know, it's just it's so creepy. So then after that, uh, I think we cut to, like, Lori doing some investigation. I think Corey goes back to Lori's house and fucks Allison. Yeah. Yeah, this is where he asks Allison, you know, like, did he let you live or did you, like, escape? And she's like, that's all I need, panty dropper, let's go. Yeah, then stay fucked. It's funny, we get a little Inception moment This is where Lori starts doing, like, Michael Myers shit, where she starts, like, exhibiting shape behavior, where she's, like, watching them from outside and then she's kind of like, wait, is someone watching me? Yeah. Like- Lori's watching them through the window like Michael Myers. But then Michael Myers is watching Lori from behind a tree. And it's like, I just expected like Jay 
Jason Voorhees to be looking at Michael from behind a fence. (laughs) (laughs) You know, we're just going to keep on going. This is where she goes to the bar and she she shows up and she's talking to Kyle Richards character. Yeah, she introduces him to this dad dad of the kid that Corey uh, accidentally killed. This whole interaction made me laugh because it dawned on me that this is the very same bar where Corey ran into this man's wife. So that means that means there's the couple of the child that gets killed in the beginning. You think they're still together? Drinks at the same bar to mourn, but they clearly drink here in shifts. Yeah, this is a this is my <laughs> night. Tomorrow's my yeah, wife. Yeah, I'll wife's get night. Thursday, uh, yeah. Saturday. Well, it's also the Monday. same bar. <laughs> is it? It's the same bar from Halloween Kills. So this is just the the Haddonfield trauma bar. Like if you have been traumatized by Michael Myers or his ripple effects, you go to this bar to drink. I just thought it was so goofy that, like, right? the two of them are clearly both alcoholics. He looks disheveled as fuck. And they just, like, the, the idea that they don't drink together in any sense, but they also have to drink at the same place? Like, what? Yeah, it's so funny. Um, and, yeah, and so Lori's doing her little detective work. She talks to this guy, and he was like, he says how he's mad at the town for being so mean to Corey because he knew it wasn't Corey's fault. And he's mad, just like I was, that the town was so mean to him because they were making everything about them and not the situation. Then he's like, yeah, but so I went to go, you know, confront Corey the other day and I like wanted to tell him that I, I forgive him. But then I looked in his eyes and, it, and he, he's this is what he goes. He was down a dark path. Yeah, he like somehow catches Corey like after he's escaped the Michael hole on the first time and he's like all yeah. fucked up still. And yeah. he's like, yeah, I was going to stand up to him and prove my – this is why I think they're still together because he does call her his wife. Yeah, see, maybe so maybe they are still together. Or maybe they're just, you know, separated, you know. We get a fun scene with a, with two characters. So one is the doctor, um, uh, Allison's boss, who we were – like earlier in the movie, they mentioned that like Allison's supposed to be up for this promotion. So that's why like she's taking all the shit that he's serving her because she's going to get this new job. But then we find out – the, the job has been given to this, like, shitty redhead chick who just won't shut the fuck up the whole movie. And then this is when we find out that, oh, now I understand why she got the promotion. Because she's fucking the doctor. Because we're at the doctor's, like, I don't know, what is it? Is it his house or a vacation home? It's like he's been there for the, it's like the first time he's been there. It's gotta be his house. It's just this really tacky, like. It's gla- everything's glass. There's a thousand sliding glass doors. Yeah. Um, they go there. But this is this is what I found to be funny. The whole time we've seen this redhead woman, this nurse in scrubs, she shows up in this, in this like slamming dress. But this, this nurse, I think Deb is her name. She's ripped. She looks like she could take Michael Myers in a fight. Oh, yeah. <laughs> this chick is so muscular. It, it like honestly took me out of the movie a bit because I was like, she could, she looks like if he showed, Michael Myers showed up right now, she could take it. Like, you're not going to convince me that she's not going to put up a fight here. It's a weird scene, too, because, like, his house is set up weird where, like, it's almost like a U-shaped house, and then there's a pool in the middle. It's just outdoors, and there's kind of glass windows all the way around. Um, Yeah, so she's calling the whole—she, like, goes to take a shower, and then you just hear, like, this cartoony— (laughs) Like, you just hear this stock sound effect of, like, garbly noise, and she's like—she (laughs) goes— I have no idea what this doctor's Dr. first Mathis. name is because in the office they only refer to him as Dr. <laughs> Mathis. And then even though that she's like outside of work, clearly fucking the doctor, 
and like <laughs> they just had dinner or something him. and she's like about to take a shower she still refers to him as dr mathis dr mathis? can we get a you first think he name makes her do oh that? definitely you think he goes no call me doctor like, no, no 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 i did not go to medical school for x amount of years to be randy mathis <laughs> not even in my off time i'm a doctor i'm a doctor always <laughs> Oh my god. So yeah. So Corey and Michael Myers like show up and like tag team kill the doctor and we get a really good death scene for Nurse Deb where Michael does the classic like he like lifts her up and chokes her and then pins her to the wall with a butcher knife, you know? Mm-hmm. I thought the And she just stays there. I thought the doctor went down pretty good. I thought that was a really cool uh I, I wouldn't even call it a jump jump scare. Like he she walks out to the pool and flips on the light for the pool deck. And he's there with the doctor stabbing the shit out of him. And he's wearing that like cool scarecrow mask thing. Like I thought it was good. It was a good reveal. It wasn't a jump scare, right? It was just a good, it's like now you're going to like Corey's in it now. Oh, and Corey's wearing his, his slasher mask is the scarecrow mask that he was wearing from earlier in the movie. And this is not like a scary scarecrow mask. This is like a happy go lucky smiling rosy cheeked scarecrow. This is when I thought I was like, "Oh, cool. We're going to get like new like he's he's a new slasher now. He's going to like he this is the scarecrow mask guy. I don't know whether we're going to call him something or whatever. This is the this is Corey. I don't even know Corey's last yeah. name. Does he even have a last name? Um, if he does, I didn't write it down. Or so I was really excited. I was like, this is, this is cool. Like I, I'm on board with like the birth of new slashers. Like I thought that's a, like a really cool idea. Michael's like passing it on, you know, I was so on board, Yeah, I was, but I was digging later that. in the movie. Corey just ditches it. He ditches that mask and he ends up in a, in a funnier scene. He ends up in a different mask. Um, so yeah, they have this really good, really good tag team murder, just like all the other, the other two movies, the kills all super well done. They're brutal. They're scary. I gotta say too, it it again. It could have been because I had way too much edible, but I felt like the score like really affected me. No, the music's really good like, in this the movie. The score is fucking intense. Like I felt like since the beginning of the movie, it's just kind of like one of those movies where it's like that they start pressing on the gas, and then you're like all right, this is intense. And then they keep pressing on the gas and you're like, okay, it didn't really stop. And then it just keeps getting more intense and more intense. And Obviously more intense. the music's going to be good. I mean, it was John Carpenter and his son did the music for this movie. So, you know, it's going to be good, but it's, it, yeah, it definitely doesn't disappoint. The score in this movie does such a good job of selling you on like every aspect, the transformation of the character, like everything it, it's, it does a really good job. So the next scene after that, we just like cut to, Corey and Allison are like sitting on top of that obnoxious radio station. This radio station that they've been, we've been hearing about the entire, the entire movie leading up to this. Uh, It's like every scene has to include either like the radio uh, DJ, local DJ is on the background saying some shit about Michael Myers or somebody's listening to the radio or someone's changing the radio away from the radio station, the like local station it's just like this huge, like, running yeah, thing. We've been hearing this shock jock dude the whole movie, and so Corey and Allison are sitting on the roof of it. And he's like, "Oh, I just like I used to come here when I wanted to get away from it all," which at first led me to believe I was like, "Oh, so he must be friends with the radio dude." But then after promising to each other that like they're gonna get out of this town, like they're both gonna leave, they jump down, and the guy comes out and he's like, "Yo, better stop climbing on my building!" And like, oh, you're that. Cr- 
freaky kid and like you're Lori's granddaughter like you're all a bunch of freaks like he's like really mean to them like everybody is in this movie yeah just <laughs> unnecessarily shitty but i'm like oh i guess they're not friends this i liked i i i thought it was really cool because he hangs himself off the side of the building and lets himself drop down and you think he like falls off the building but he just fell to the floor below and then he does it again and it's it, like he's doing this weird thing that serial killers do where he's like testing himself and like obviously this is a little bit goofier because he's trying to emulate Michael's behavior but he Yeah, is, you're right. Like, yeah, he does he does like, kind of mimic in his daily life doing things to test his own limits to see like how he stacks up. He falls off this building and eats shit and he immediately like rises up like just from the hips just the way michael does all the time uh, the actor uh who plays Corey uh, rowan campbell does like a really good job of selling you on this shift in personalities because his body language this whole movie is really good you know he's very like meek and timid you know when he's first introduced and he's getting bullied by band geeks as the movie goes on and especially once he's like you know it been infected you know by this evil say you know it he his whole demeanor just changes and, and uh it, he just does such a good job of of selling you on it like you do you i i, I believe it that, that his performance is the is the one thing i i never really had an issue with i think it's it makes the movie yeah i mean other than like the couple like in insanely like forced romantic scenes where like they're you know riding around on his motorcycle and she's like oh i'm having such a good time with my <laughs> badass boyfriend and he's just like you know gripping it and ripping it down the road other than that like it it, it i was totally sold like i was like yeah this this kid is is not missing the mark. He goes back home and his mom is like, well, this is the scene where she like slaps him and then is, she, you know, cause she, she doesn't like that. He's got a girlfriend now. She wants her son all to herself. And she, he, he says something to her. I, I, I don't remember exactly what the lines are, but she just slaps him. And then the weirdest thing. And I, <laughs> what a, what a bizarre thing to write into the movie she slaps him and then is so shocked by what she did that she tries to make up for it by kissing him square on the lips. Uh, I wouldn't even say, I'd say mouth, not even lips. He, she kisses him on the mouth. Like, Just yeah. full on mouth and kisses like, him. This, all right, so leading up to it, obviously you have a couple scenes where she's like a very overbearing, overdramatic, like yeah, way yeah. too involved. We see it but the like, whole movie. To, to her defense, she's trying to protect her son from a community of people who would rather who keep trying to run him over stake. So like she is a little, she's a little overprotective, but she's also clearly like really fucked up and weird. Like he's texting Allison at the table at some point, And she's like, who are you texting? Where are you going? All this shit, like fucking freaking out on him. Yeah, Lori, there's a scene where Lori like is like your, your son's dating my granddaughter. And the mother goes, she would be so lucky. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, so she like smacks him and smooches him, and then she like runs out of the scene, and it, it it's kind of left with uh Corey and who I have to assume is his yeah, stepdad, big stepdad energy. This guy is my favorite character of the whole movie. But this is where he turns to him and he's like, 
I hope you find. Yeah, that's the scene. It's so (laughs) funny. It's so funny because I think I think basically Corey was like, "I'm leaving this town with my girlfriend," and that's when that's when he got mouth kissed by mom, and that would send me packing. So, uh, but like, Corey has you know some some business to attend to. Yeah, like I, I think he just like suddenly wakes up in the house, uh, the abandoned house of the kid who died. Yeah, so he goes to sleep on the floor in the bloodstained puddle of where the kid died in the first scene. Yeah, real creep energy now. And that, I, like, gagged in the theaters watching this. I was just like, uh. I know, uh." you're very. Like, (laughs) I did a job where I had to clean up crime scenes, and so now, (laughs) watching this, I was like, oh, I know exactly what this room smells like. This is, like, four-year-old blood on the floor, Uh, and the idea that he laid down in it and, like, slept peacefully makes me want to pull out my eyes and flush them down the toilet. At the very least, your nose. So Corey wakes up after going to sleep on this uh, smelly goop pile. He wakes up to Lori, like, in a cool, like, cool guy pose. Like, she's leaning on a chair against the wall, just, like, rocking back and forth. Um, and it, so here's my question is this is a hallucination right i have been debating every time i watch this i don't know because she has in her hand a paper airplane which is the exact type of paper airplane that the yeah. kid asked them to make that night so the idea that yeah. laurie Strode would have that information is fucking bonkers but she kind of confronts him and is like hey like Allison is not equipped to deal with this relationship. Like, I want you to leave her alone. Clearly, you're going through something, and I want to help you, but you need to stay away from Allison. And he kind of, like, shoots back at her, and he's like, you invited me in. You brought me in. You wanted me to meet her. You wanted us to be together. The idea that you don't want us to be together now is too fucking bad. But he also does this super bizarre thing where he looks up the stairwell and he asks um do you want me to do it so is michael like upstairs yeah or is he just seeing michael like is he it's weird and i think i think it is a hallucination like i don't think Lori's actually there i you know because this is all kind of no new information is given to him there's nothing said that like he wouldn't be able to make up in his head you know mm-hmm. and the other thing to me like that makes it feel like a hallucination is Lori strode has taken on a very different like body language in this like po- like timeline like that mm-hmm. you know this point in the timeline where she's not like this like overbearing kind of like rugged yeah. rogue survivor type like she was in the other movies so, like, the idea that she would, A, know that Corey is there at the house, then also sneak yeah. in undetected and set up this whole, like, scene of her, like, leaning the chair back and, like, talking to him as he wakes up. It just seems, like, yeah, kind of out of character for the rest of the movie. Right, yeah. The first time I saw it, I... I thought it was real obviously until the end because she kind of just vanishes and I was like, oh, wait. She does a full-on Batman. Is this Batman. To be a hallucination? She does... yeah. But uh, I think it's just Corey projecting, you know, uh, what what's happening in his in his head, you know, onto like a 
someone he can like speak to. And he clearly like gets the feeling that because he know, he's got, you know, stalker uh, slasher powers. So he's got to know that she's been watching him, you know, because <laughs> he's been he they're, everyone's watching each other in these movies from behind bushes and shit. He, she follows them to the radio station and he sees her at the radio station. Like he notices that she's following. Yeah, so I think he's just he's just projecting the, these ideas outward uh, and and just working through some shit. Um, so now he's he has this like f- you know conversation with himself, uh, you know, through the lens of Laurie Strode, and now he he like resolves. You know, he's like, I'm getting Allison out of here. Oh my god, yeah. He calls her and he's like, Hey, like we're getting out of here tonight. Your grandma wants to kill me. Meet me at this place tonight. And then he he goes back to the Michael. But he's like, I got business to attend to. And this is where we get Frankenstein Fight Club. Yeah, he drives. He dri- we get a cool shot of him driving his motorcycle as fast as he can to the Michael Hole. He crawls in and we just get this like really distant shot of from like the out outside of the like the entrance of the tube into the sewer where he just kind of like angrily stomps in like past the camera he he like grabs michael myers and they just start and just starts wrestling him he goes you have something i need yeah and then yeah they just start fucking wrestling i love i thought this was the coolest like sequence of the movie I thought this was awesome. Yeah, this is my favorite scene. He just, Michael, and Michael Myers is just standing there in the corner of the sewer, just like waiting until something interesting happens. And like Corey stomps in, Corey like grabs him, and Michael just kind of throws him. <laughs> but then like, and then he stomps off screen, off screen after Corey, and Corey like pushes him back on the screen, and then they wrestle back off screen <laughs> and then back on, and they're they're closer to the camera now. It's so cool. It's such a, such a good scene and it's it's just far enough away from the camera that it, it's it's awkward and just eerie and, you know the sewer is like lit by like sickly like you know saw green light you know like yeah and they're like all silhouette and eventually Corey gets the upper hand gets michael to the ground and then just goes you just hear him go you're just a man with a mask what are you gonna do and he just pulls the mask off of him and then crawls back towards the camera and out and michael's just like sitting there without a mask like oh man and then he sits up and he like turns around yeah. to but it's like, just dark enough but it's just dark enough that we don't get to see you know his his face face we don't get to see his face yeah we just but we see it's an old man burnt half to death face Corey like it leads the um the the band geek bullies uh into like a trap he lures them to the junkyard because he like scratches uh like psycho oh, yeah. into the kid's car and like they're like oh we're gonna fucking get him right. now fucked up my dad's car we get him so he like trails yeah off so they the go bike. after him and then we cut back to Lori and Allison. Allison's packing. Lori's like, don't go. They have an argument. Allison says some like really mean things to Lori that are like, this is what, this is what love does to you. You start being mean to people <laughs> <laughs> that you would not have been mean to like Alice, except for meeting Corey, like Allison would never have said these mean things to Lori. She says like, it's like your fault. Like, you know, it's your fault. Everything's miserable. Like, I got to get out of here because I don't want to end up all shitty like you. And it's like, Allison, it's just a guy. Right? It's a guy you've known for like a week, two days, not even a whole <laughs> week. It's like two week. days. 
But, uh, so then we kind of cut back from their fight to the, um, to the junkyard where his stepdad is having a great night shift. I know, I'm jealous he's of this He's eating this some Chinese shift. food. He's watching Jean-Claude Van Damme on the fucking CRTV. He's having a great night shift. He's like, man, things at my house are fucking crazy. Thank God I can come here to my junkyard and just hang out and watch yeah, VHS. Yeah, I, I don't know if you noticed it. A, we- a weird detail. His office has like a terrarium in it um but it's also just he's got a poster like a big poster of cats <laughs> just on his on one of his walls but there's also like a dozen cats in the background on this couch in a different room so this guy just at his work office at the junkyard just has like a, a house full of cats <laughs> the junkyard cats every junkyard's gotta have some cats. i know but it's, it's like they're like, like the, the it's just they're just like domestic cats i just thought it was funny he's sitting here he's also got this really weird vase lamp on his desk it's a lot of weird it's fun fun energy this super mario stepdad I, he's having a good time <laughs> when he when he has to work at night and not have to be near his crazy wife i'm gonna give this guy top billing in the description yeah, for this episode this guy's fantastic stepdad for the win <laughs> Um, he's also got his headphones on, and like you said, he's watching Jean-Claude Van Damme movies, so he's obviously not going to hear the cu- the ruckus that's about to go on. Um, so yeah, it's like really, it's like really late now, the kids pull in, uh, to the junkyard, kids twirling his drumsticks, they're ready to fight. They kind of park their car, like, away yeah. from, like, they kind of, like, park it in this little, like, uh, yeah. cubby between two other fucked up cars, and three of them walk away from it. To try and find Corey. They're all like yelling for him. And Drumstick shit. guy kind of lags behind. Um, Corey is also, you see like, I mean, you see like he, he closes the gate behind them, but nobody notices. You see that he's like lurking in a, in a, in a car um, that they walk past. Like he's got his, he's got his slasher energy on full, you know, full tilt now. They, they like see his, his bike and they start like tying a chain to it. Like they're going to drag it away. And then they're like, yeah, we did it. We kicked over his bike. Look how awesome we are. And then and then he's like, hey, uh, mullet drumstick friend. <laughs> and then they like don't hear anything back from him. And then they're like, come on, stop joking around. And they go and he's got the drumstick right through the eyeball. The, the main bully, he kind of like Terry. takes off running. Terry takes off running. He he runs up to the like window where... Corey's stepdad is hanging out. He's banging on the window. He's like, hey, hey, I need help. I need help. And while he's doing that. The two, two girl bullies girls. run. One of them jumps over the, the the barbed wire chain link fence. The other one, she can't climb because she's not as athletic. And she's like hanging on to the door. She makes it to the other side, but she's still hanging on. And Corey's driving this like uh, tow truck and just drives it right through and just runs the whole thing over and like. The whole the whole gate and the truck just land on top of her, and she's not dead because later, the stepdad comes up and she's trapped underneath it. Yeah, so the fence falls over, pins her under the fence, and the fence is pinned by the truck. Yep. The stepdad is like, "Oh shit, what is going on in my junkyard?" He grabs a gun, he gives another gun, like a little rifle, to Terry, mm-hmm. and he's like, "Just stay here, just stay here." Terry obviously doesn't listen to him. He runs out and he sees this girl trapped and he's like, oh shit, like I'm going to help you. Don't worry. Yeah, Corey, uh, Corey beat the other girl with a, with a wrench 
uh, he like gets a cool moment where he like gets out of the car and then like the wrench like he slides it down to get a, like a better grip on it, and, like slides out into view of the camera and then he just kills her. Yeah, the Bonk. <laughs> just bonked. Uh, I was like, okay, killed with a wrench. That's a good. That's a good m- murder tool. But then, yeah, the stepdad comes out, finds the girl trapped. He looks up and sees Corey standing there with Michael Myers' mask in hand. He goes to put it on. Yeah, Terry. Well, Terry comes out and he sees. You know, the, the stepdad is like bent over. Corey's standing there with the mask on. Terry raises the gun, and the stepdad like knows it's Corey, so he go like sees that he's gonna shoot Corey. Stands up, and at like the last second, gets blasted right through the brain with this with the bullet from the rifle. But you, it's this really cool shot where the like. Corey's in frame in the background. The stepdad stands up, uh, obscuring all view of Corey. The bullet hits him. He falls down. Corey's gone. Full, like, full slasher teleport. He's he's fully powered up now. And, and then, yeah, Corey gets to jump on, on Terry and, like, what, like, makes him choke down a blowtorch and just, like, totally... They so they Ugh. they signal this at the beginning of the movie where Corey uses the same acetylene torch to like uh, cut like a part of a fucking like exhaust pipe out of a car. Yeah. But you see like Terry's like knocked down on the ground, and you kind of see over Terry's nose and open mouth to the girl who's pinned under the fence, and you hear uh, Corey light the acetylene torch. And I could not believe what I was seeing in the fucking theaters when I saw this. I was not prepared for this level of brutality in any sense. He fucking puts it in his mouth, and there's, like, a fucking whistling Uh noise that happens when you, like, put extreme temperature on, like, rocks or teeth that it was just, like, such a gross sense experience. I was like, oh, no. It's it's brutal, man. It's really good. Just gross enough because he's like really it's really close to the to the camera, so it's very blurry. Um, but it, it's it's like the perfect amount of of gnarly. And then he stomps the other just girl. Absolute pub stomping that girl's head. Just one 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 stomp dead. Then he goes back to his house, he stabs his mom with the butcher knife. I'm so glad we didn't have to watch him kill his mom. Like, we get that kind of scene where, like, he sneaks up on her, she turns around, and it kind of goes into slow-mo as, like, she's screaming, but we don't actually see her, like, get hurt at all. And I was kind of glad because I was like, I, based on the rest of this film, I am almost certain that this was an uncomfortably uh, horny Murders his mom. We're going to continue the murder spree. He goes to the radio station where we get a really fun cameo from Darcy the Mail Girl. So, so fun. I was so excited to see her in this fucking movie. I could not believe. I was like completely caught off guard. I was so excited. Even Tiff was like, is that Darcy? I was like, that's Darcy! Yeah, you told me there was a cameo because you saw it first. You told me there was a really fun cameo and I wouldn't have guessed in a million years that it was going to be Darcy. I'm so excited. I was like, oh, who it is um she apparently just like works in the radio station so she gets killed off screen she's only on screen for like five seconds but it was it was still she has one line and then she gets to be murdered in the background by by Corey. um and then we get the the radio the shock jock guy he gets killed pretty brutally he gets his like face smashed against the table so hard his like 
jaw breaks off and then his like his like his jaws all broken and his tongue's hanging out and then Corey like cuts out his tongue puts it on the 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 record that's like spinning and going like as it, as the tongue hits the hits the needle yeah oh god yeah it's really gross but it's a good one yeah as the tongue like moves around under the needle it like bumps it up and it it's getting broadcast out to everyone yeah because then we cut to like uh like someone's in like allison's like in the car like getting out of the car and she's turning it off she's listening to the radio because it's the only station anybody listens to in this town and you can hear it's all fucked up um so she gets out of the car um she's like looking for Corey, but she can't find him is that what we're yeah, she's trying to find him. He is I think we cut back to Lori at the house, but it was at this point in the movie that I realized like after the DJ scene, I was like every single new character in this movie that gets introduced gets murdered. There's not a single new character that survives this movie. Now, Corey kills almost all of them. Yeah. Yeah, you know what? I didn't even think about that either. We're back with Lori. She she's drinking. She's down like down a whole bottle of whiskey. She like looks sadly at a jack o' lantern, um, and then she makes a call to nine one one. She's like, "I'd like to report a suicide." And then the the, the person's like, "Well, who?" And she goes, "Myself." <laughs> and then you get this like scene where she like cl- she closes the door and the camera like goes outside and she like walks out of view of the camera. You hear like a gun cock, and then you just hear the gunshot and like gore splatters against the wall. And then it's revealed to us that, like, the whole time Corey was inside in full Michael Myers regalia because he's wearing his, you know, uh, work outfit, which is just, just a mechanic Michael Myers' outfit. So it's like, oh, well, he already had that going for him. Um, and he's wearing the, the Michael Myers mask, and he's, like, clearly, like, well, all right, that's a weird turn of events. I was coming here to kill her, but whatever. Um, so he like opens up the door and I love this scene. He opens up the door and Lori's got a gun trailed on him and she goes, you really think I'd shoot myself? <laughs> yeah. We reveal that she shot like a pumpkin and threw pumpkin guts on the floor. Yeah, She threw pumpkin guts on the wall trying to mimic brain matter. <laughs> and Corey's too stupid. He doesn't know. So funny. So yeah, he takes one in the chest and he falls back through the like railing. Uh, yeah. Off the off railing. The stairs. Just like in the first movie when Michael Myers gets shot out the balcony of the the house. The Carpenters of Haddonfield need to fucking figure out yeah, railings. They- <laughs> it's been it's been what, like sixty years it feels like, and they haven't figured out how to do a fucking proper railing. Like you could lean on any railing in Haddonfield, snaps like balsa wood, you're tumbling down. Done. Yeah, I'm so. sure I'm sure a couple of those those deaths that we heard of in the beginning were probably because of that. Just a couple stray accidents, just, you know? Just faulty, yeah, faulty railing. railing death. Bad um, carpentry. So, yeah, then we get a, like, Lori, like, follows up, uh, has a little conversation with Corey. She's like, I won't let you go with her. And Corey hears Allison, um, like, pull up. And and then he, like, makes eye contact with, Corey, with uh, Lori and then goes, well, if I can't have her, and then... St- cuts his throat just stabs himself like with like with, like deep with a, with the knife yeah like up under the chin oh yeah brutally gross. see so he does kill everybody new in this movie including himself i think the only <laughs> new characters that survive are the parents of the kid that he accidentally killed yeah because well, they're too busy to be 
they're too busy drinking to be in the movie at all. So, <laughs> so yeah, Corey. And now, now this scene looks terrible for Lori because she's got the knife because she pulls the knife out of his throat. And now she's covered in his blood. This scene looks terrible. Oh, yeah. Um, Allison stumbles in and she's like, oh, no, what did you do? You killed him. And then she like runs away. Which is so goofy to me because like the entire idea is that like she is under the assumption that Corey is a good guy and he would never do anything to like hurt them or whatever. And she is trying like Lori is trying to prove that like, no, he's like a fucking wannabe like creepazoid like we got to be careful this guy and the idea that allison walks in on Corey with the mask in a jumpsuit dead on the floor and doesn't immediately put together like oh grandma was right again <laughs> right you think you'd think that like at the very least you'd stick around for some more explanation like yeah he's got, he's got the mask like michael myers mask is in his hands the, the allison is like intimately familiar with this mask she would be able to know like how, how did this get here you know but whatever she it's she's traumatized her 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 the love of her life. Lori's sad and she's crying. Lori's crying. Lori's like in the other room and she like picks up a gun, the gun, and she's like, oh, it's empty, no more bullets. Big sad. I was going to actually kill but myself she can't. now. Uh, and while she's in the other room, the real Michael Myers stumbles back in, gets his mask, goes to pick up his knife. Corey's still alive. And they have a little, one last little wrestling match with the boys. Uh, and, but Michael Myers finishes Corey's job, snaps his neck. And that's that's the end of Corey. And I'm honestly kind of sad that he he doesn't live. I was hoping that he would live. And so disappointed. Like, then we could have movies where Allison is now, like, tormented by the scarecrow mask killer that Corey would become, you know? Even if he just takes up the mantle of Michael Myers. All right, so Michael, like, bends down to, like, get the mask, and Corey does the thing where he, oh, he comes back to life, and he grabs Michael's hand. Right then and there, you should cut mm. away. Don't show me who's under the mask. Don't show me that Michael grabs the new mask. Just, I, I, Corey escapes. Michael puts on the mask. The viewer doesn't have any idea who it is who's actually fighting Lori in the final confrontation well, until it gets revealed. That would be tough because you you would have to, like, obscure his hands because it's pretty notable. Yeah, well, also, Corey's a lot right. shorter than Michael, but also Michael's missing half of his fingers. So, like, you'd be like, well. Yeah. <laughs> but but I, I, I'm sad that he doesn't live. I, I didn't, I felt like his character wasn't served as, like, he was such a well-done, well-written character. He's so interesting. Killing him off in the same movie that he's introduced. I don't know. It just felt bad. Like, I I, I wished he, he could have. It just felt like a waste. Yeah. I felt like he was wasted. Yeah. I would have been much happier if he got away and we just didn't know what happened. Yeah. Just leave it I open. I'm, I'm okay with where the movie goes from here. Yes. But I wish Corey. Yes. I, I wish he was free to at least, you know, entertain the possibility of seeing him again. Yeah. Point. But back to reality where uh, Michael kills the shit out of him. Yeah, Michael kills the shit out of him. Um, and now we just have what everybody's been begging for. We have the, like, knockdown, drag-out brawl between Laurie and Michael. Like, there's a little bit of a stalking that happens, you know, to we get some shots that mimic stuff from the, the original movie. But Laurie and Michael just have an awesome fight. There's a funny scene where he's, like, still confronting Corey, and you get a shot over the top of them to the background you see the kitchen 
at, you see like the doorway to the kitchen and Lori moves across the doorway like into a hiding spot and she walks exactly the way michael does she's like oh i know this move and she goes right across the screen silently no emotion barely moves her arms she just kind of like skitters across (laughs) yeah the 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 straight the the straight arm walk across the camera view like yeah she does she does exactly the the slasher villain maneuver it's very she's very calm the whole time she knows michael's here yeah she's like all right we're gonna do this so they have this awesome just absolutely brutal fight you know obviously uh michael is not at a hundred percent so it makes sense that laurie's finally able to to take him in a fight like you know and she's still you know it's still a close call the phrase i have written in my notes is finger revenge Oh yeah, he. I, anytime this shows up in a horror movie, the 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 hand in the garbage disposal always makes me very uncomfortable. Uh, horror writers love love to tease you with grinding someone's hands up in a garbage disposal, and it almost never happens. But just the threat of it always makes me highly uncomfortable. I don't know why that one in particular, but it really does. It's just so it's 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 very mundane. It's a very realistic way to get your hand ground up in an oven. <laughs> But so the the fight ends with Laurie all fingers intact. She she pins pins Michael down with a knife through the hand on, onto the, the 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 kitchen island, and then she uh, grabs his other hand. She pins his ha- other hand down with a new, with a different knife. She gets off. She slams the refrigerator down on his leg. So Michael is just like full on full on like trapped. In, in almost like a Baphomet's pose where he's got his right hand up, his left hand down. He's got like the kind of like two finger situation because his, you know, hand got chalopped off. Yeah, yeah, it's very, it's very religious. Yeah, yeah. Very satanic. It, it was, I'm wondering if that was a, a, a done on purpose. Like if it was a, a knowing choice that they did that. Uh, I They had to have. I feel like Danny uh, McBride is all <laughs> over that. Um, and Lori gets to have her her speech, you know. She gets to have this like last um, little conversation with Michael. She tells him, like, I forget exactly how how she says it, but she's like, "You're just a man." She's like, "I thought you were like the devil. I thought you were the boogeyman, um, but you're just a man." And she goes, "Who's about to stop breathing?" And then she sl- just slowly slices his throat. Uh, and it's really, it's really brutal, just like nice and calm. As he's dying, he like pulls his hand from the knife until it's like, you know, from men when uh, the, the when Jeffrey gets Ugh. his like split hand thing and he starts choking her with the split hand and she's like, she's running out of breath and she's dying and he's dying. But then <laughs> Allison runs in screaming and she goes, ah! <laughs> and like snaps his arm. <laughs> she has like this crazy scream. It's so funny. She snaps his arm and then she's like, I'm not going to let that happen, grandma. Cause I guess she's forgiven him. Her and Lori stand there. They slit his wrists and like so much blood comes out. And then, yeah, Lori and Michael, they have like, just like they hold hands and you in, in a weird, gross handhold. Yeah. Like a, a, it's a gentle one. Like, like, like two loved ones holding hands and saying goodbye. And you see it in the reflection of the blood pooled on the kitchen floor. 
it's very artsy. It's it's good. And and yeah, so like Michael is is dead. He's just a man. This is the part of the movie where it turns into the largest police cover up in all of American right? history. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Basically they hold a public um meat grinding. For Michael, so Lori, you know, the police show up and Lori, they're like, "What happened?" And Lori's like, "Michael's dead," but but they, you know, everybody needs to know. The town needs to heal, so they do this like parade where they strap Michael's corpse to the top of a police car, drive him through the whole town, gathering the entire population that remains. When they put him on the car, there's one cop there that's like, this is not how we do things, guys. This is super fucked up. Yeah, there's and only the one sheriff, guy and everyone's like, shut the, the fuck up. I, she, I don't know if he's like the county sheriff or who he is. He show, he's in the other movies too, but he shows up and he's like. Yeah, he's like, in the second one. This is not how we do things. And he comes out of the car. He's like, this is how we're doing it tonight. <laughs> it's like, what? He was the one with the level head in the second movie. But after... Everybody died in that movie. He was, I guess now he's like, yeah, we should probably just, we should probably get rid of this guy. <laughs> so they, they, this, this funeral procession slash parade arrives at the junkyard again, where Corey worked, where they have the entire town is the there. The entire town. They have this, what is this? Just like a, one of those like car cruncher machines. This is an industrial shredder. It is shown earlier in the movie when Corey pulls up to the the junkyard. There's some guys who mm. are throwing some stuff in the shredder, and you see it get, like, chomped up real good. Yeah. But, yeah, so you get, like, this cool shot of, like, from in front of the crowd. So you can see Lori is standing on the edge of the shredder. She has Michael's body in front of her, and the entire town is gathered around behind her. It's such her. a good shot, man. It looks so good. And the, and this is the thing. This is the thing that everybody screams at at the movie, at every slasher movie, at the end of it, when they just let the guy get away, because everyone knows he's not dead. Mm-hmm. He'll show up for the sequel. Everyone literally screams it at the screen. Just, just put him in a meat grinder. Make sure he can never come back. You know, like, I I, I don't know how many times I've said it. Yeah, Right? Incinerate him. Chop him up. Like, a a hundred different versions of the same thing. But they finally do the thing that everyone asks as a viewer to do. They give it to us. I've never seen it before. No, I, I, like... (laughs) <laughs> other than maybe you could you can tell me do they do this in like a child's play movie i feel like this is something out of child's play where they're finally like let's just they do do it doll. in child's play but that's different you never you never say that because chucky's always going to come back anyway no matter how many bits and pieces you chop him into he's different he's a different case but like in the case of like michael myers and jason and leatherface and, and like all the like slashers who were like supposedly just men like tangible people yeah Yeah. put him put him in a meat grinder and that's what they do you get this great shot of the body being like just like churned up in and just like slow motion bits of michael just get tossed into the air it looks like they threw a sex doll into this fucking thing the way his (laughs) body just gets like absorbed it's like it's like a sex doll that they filled with man which gets you know yeah Uh, but it's beautiful. It's it's a gift that that, that that people have been begging for since slasher movies came into existence. Just 
grind up the bad guy, chop him to pieces, make sure he can't come back. And they finally, finally gave it to us at the end of this trilogy, the end of Michael Myers. What a gift. It's beautiful. It's such a good scene. I'm not even unhappy with like the idea that like you've killed Michael Myers in this. Like you fucking put him in a gigantic human shredder mm-hmm. like yeah it's fucking gnarly it's exactly how he should go out like i i, I don't want to see him like you know chopped up into pieces like laying in in the street somewhere like no give yeah. me like an over dramatic brutal heavy metal yeah, ass death and they like did this. it's it's so good and the town gets to heal and we get a happy ending i think lori it goes finally is going on her trip with uh trip to japan to see the cherry blossoms so right from the scene of them, like, chop, you know, throwing him in the shredder, it turns back into, like, her narrating while she's writing her memoirs, which, wh- how the fuck is she going to publish this double homicide confession? <laughs> like, what? Yeah, I think she's, uh, she'll, she'll have to say, like, she was being, you know, um, she was embellishing. You know, Obviously, we didn't double murder. It's, it's just, it, it's to, it's to accentuate the point of of my memoirs officer fbi i don't know if it's the last word but it's like in the last uh sentence she uses the word yeah shape. she says um like something about how like evil e- you get to shape yeah. your or, life or was it earlier in the movie during one of the memoir scenes where she says because like evil never dies it just changes shape yes that's what it is yeah 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 so her book ends on the word shape, shape, which is beautiful. <laughs> so good. And then we get the montage of a, like yeah. an empty house. Cause she's leaving the house. Yeah. She's like going to go to Japan with the, uh, Fra- is it Frank? Yeah. The, the police officer. She's like, all right, I'm ready to move on to enjoy yeah. part of my life. Well, and it's, and it's shots of the house. Like, I mean, it's the same house that this fight just happened in and it's obviously cleaned up and everything's good, but it's like shots of like, it, they're all warm and like welcoming shots. Like it's, it's shots of houses that like in when Michael wasn't dead, like would be creepy and you'd be like looking for, you know, where's, where's the shape, you know, it's like, it's like you can feel like homey and calm. Like it's, it's, it's warm and welcoming. Yeah. Like sunlight's yeah, trickling. Like you feel in. good for once, like in these movies and it just doesn't feel as ominous. Like Lori gets a happy ending. Uh, Oh, and she has um, the last scene of the movie. The last shot of the house is in her study, and Michael's mask is on like the coffee table in her study. Why would you keep that? Insane. <laughs> uh, and that, and that just cuts by, and you get like uh, you get some good music, some good rock going. It's like hopeful, you know. You're like, all right, it's a positive, happy ending finally for Lori. No, no jump scare at the end. No post credit scene where like Michael like goops back together and or anything like that. Yeah, Allison's moving on from uh, Haddonfield. She's like driving away from town. She's like moving on to bigger yeah, and better it's, things. It's nice. I, it's nice to have a happy ending. Although, like I said, I would have been also happy if like Corey lived and we had a little tease of him being out there. But miss right? Could you imagine if instead of like cutting away to Allison like driving away like you see Frank show up and she's like, I'd like to see the cherry blossoms. And then we cut to like a profile shot of like a slow zoom out, like POV. With the, and then it ends, it does that and then cut to black. Yeah. Oh my but, God. That'd be great. Yeah. That would have been really good. But, uh, 
that's how we get. They wanted to. They wanted to end things for because this is the the end of Laurie's story. Like they wanted David Gordon Green, the writers, all of them. They wanted to just send her off on a happy note. They didn't want to like you know whether or not they make more movies. They they didn't want to to keep teasing it. They wanted to set this up, set this aside. This story's finished. You know? I am not by any means disappointed by uh the way it ends i am if honestly this movie has made like made me more excited for what could possibly happen in like uh, the next franchise of yeah, Halloween. same here i i'm excited to see like it, it, this te- it, i would love to see this team get another halloween movie just to see what they do without being beholden to to michael myers you know yeah like obviously in the past that formula has not exactly panned H2O. out. There's uh, H2O, you know, or, or um uh Halloween 3. You know what I mean? Where you do a Halloween that's like far away from Michael. Nothing to do with him. I would be cool like I don't necessarily need to go to like ancient druids possessing you know children through weird shamrock commercials but like you know i i, I want to no. see i would love to see them do something new i was hoping you know we would continue with with Corey's uh story but like whatever i'll take i'll take something new but do you get what i'm saying though about how like i think because of how well mm-hmm. and invested i was in Corey's story i think that like and i know they had to finish working with Michael Myers, like, they had to do that whole thing. But, like, if he's in so... He takes up so much of the movie that there's, like, not enough room for, like, Corey's part to be as believable, like, his romance, you know, because we gotta also have the stuff with Michael. I I, I wish there was a way to just get more time for him. I agree with you 100%. I just think realistically, like, especially for this third movie, there's no way this movie's getting made without Michael Myers. Yeah, you're right. You're unfortunately right. just just in you know the in looking at it realistically there's just no way that they're gonna be like yeah totally do the third one without michael you're right you're right they're just not clearly the fans did not love Corey, which is crazy because he's so good they just i like you said in the beginning i just people had expectations going in that weren't met that doesn't mean it's a bad movie now this movie has its problems it has some pacing issues some character development gets lost you know to 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 make room for you know the slasher part of the movie but overall it's got really good kills which is what we're here for anyway guys like (laughs) like the part of the horror of the slasher movie you're coming to see is the part where everybody gets murdered to see how cool it looks and they did that fantastically in this movie so like (laughs) i don't know what people are complaining about on that end it's one of like this movie. I would say this movie and 2018 were probably the first slasher movies I'd seen in a very long time, where I was legitimately like scared watching the movie in theaters. Like felt you know fear. Like, and that's what I go yeah, for. You know what it, I mean? Like, exactly. The entire point of horror is to subvert your expectations, and that's how you scare someone. You set something up so the audience thinks. Something is going to happen, and then you do something totally unexpected that takes them by surprise and scares them. And if that's not exactly what this movie does, like, I don't know what the fuck you guys are coming to the movie I, I would for. rather, even if it wasn't 100% successful, I would rather they took this risk 
yeah you know tried something different with this third movie than just gave me another Halloween kills you know like if it was just another movie of Michael Myers stomping through people's houses on the same night like this movie tried to do something weird it wasn't always hitting the mark but it did enough right that I think people should forgive it just I you know go in without expectations of like this is going to be a, a straight up Michael Myers slasher like let it just meet it on its own terms let it tell its story it's not going to you know win Emmys or anything but it's it's way better than the 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 shitstorm it's gotten you know it doesn't deserve to be like mocked and and hated it's it it's definitely not a terrible movie no it, it it's catching like an amount of hate that like just to me i uh, cannot register like sure the movie's got its like rough points and there's definitely some goofy tones in, in the movie there's definitely some humor to be seen and to you know like we just sat here and laughed about this movie for like you know two hours but like it's that doesn't mean it's bad that doesn't mean it's not like worth it's a fun movie it is totally worthy of being the cap of this trilogy it 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 doesn't have the same structure or tone necessarily the other two do but like it it does something different it does something fun i i i I say just go in like i said meet it on its own terms enjoy it for what it is it does some really cool interesting things you know that's all we can say about it is you know in defense of halloween ends go 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 see it you know make your own opinion and just don't, you know, don't go in expecting any one thing. Just w- watch the movie that's being presented to you, you know, and try Have to enjoy it. Time. It's fun. At the very least, there's cool kills. Darcy the Mail goes in it. Go see it. Yeah, we'd love to see Darcy get another check. <laughs> uh, we're not quite settled on what the next episode's going to be about, um, but it's going to be a good one. I've got some ideas. Yeah, we're going to take a little holiday break for Thanksgiving. Yeah. Uh, and then when we come back, we will be bloodthirsty and as ready as ever to get into all of these fun holiday uh, horrors that are coming along out in theaters. Definitely going to do some new releases and uh, a Christmas episode. Not quite sure what the Christmas content will be, but it'll be good. We'll talk about something good. Uh, do you have any suggestions in the meantime to hold? Yeah, well, why don't we just do a quick plug? Um, if you like our podcast, you like listening to us talk, um, check out our, it'll, we'll link it in the description for this episode. Um, check out our Twitch stream. Uh, we're getting, we're starting to get a little more regular with it. Uh, me and Eric are on Twitch. Uh, you can find me at, uh, twitch.mattyoung. And, um, we play sp- We've been playing spooky games. We've been playing The Evil Within, which is a fun 2014 horror, uh, survival horror game, kind of like Resident Evil. We've been enjoying that, having a really good time. Very funny. A lot of laughs. So join us over on there. Just some cross, you know, some cross plugging. Uh, also, <laughs> you know, we're, we got the social medias up now. We're on Instagram at the Devil's Cut Pod. Uh, we are on Twitter at same thing, Devil's Cut Pod. We'll be posting all of our episodes there. Yeah, give us a follow. Uh, if we're going to be streaming, we'll try and give a heads up that day and post there so you have a little bit of time. Uh, but yeah, talk to us. Let us know what you guys think of the show and what you guys thought of this movie specifically. 
like and subscribe, leave comments on, uh, uh, give us a review on Apple Podcasts. Um, oh, that's the other thing. We we we're on a bunch of different uh, streaming platforms now. We're on Stitcher. We're on iHeartRadio. We're on Spotify. We're on uh, on Apple uh, Apple yeah. Podcast. We're on all the big guys. I think we can wrap this one up. Say goodbye to all the, the say about all the shapes and strodes out there. Shapes and strodes. Oh my god! Now I have to edit that into the beginning. I have to make sure I leave that part in at yeah, the beginning sure of the episode. Oh my make god! Make sure. Yeah, you better make sure that whole combo stays in there because I just it's not going to make any sense if they make it all the way to the end. Anyway, cue the music that I'm going to make tonight or <laughs> sometime this weekend. <laughs>